try and do some sort of a faux intro or just get right in and be like, we're talking about engagement. Let's check. You can have a random fact of the day. (laughs) (laughs) My random fact of the day is I've pooped 30 times. Jeez, that's a lot, dude. Random fact of the day. I ate a lot of bread yesterday. Random fact of the day. In (laughs) Europe, they're murdering 20 million minks because the coronavirus, you know, changed. (laughs) So, 2020, guys. Like furry weasels, right? Like furry weasels. They they have mink farms and they're gassing all of them. (laughs) Oh. 20 million minks. Uh, random fact of the day, 29 out of 69. <laughs> High-level professional, high-cost industrial strength antiviruses automatically assume any executable file written in Python is a virus. They're not. I feel like that's a bad design. <laughs> For an antivirus, it's a bad design. For a product you're selling people, excellent design. Because then you have a high rate of virus detection... So that people know their product is working. Oh, so it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, okay. Also, they're just It's like how they made toothpaste tingly so that you know it's clean, but like the minty tingliness doesn't actually do anything for mouth hygiene. Or like how on commercials for toothpaste, they do like a giant glob across the whole toothpaste and have to counter. Oh, dude, and it's a perfect glob. You know they wasted so much. But on top of that, that that minty tingling thing does help with with breath odor control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Not necessarily mouth cleanliness, but... Well, like there's... There's a difference between, I guess, there's a difference between, like, the minty and the stuff that makes it tingle, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, like, like mint is just a flavor, but what makes it, like, but we associate that with mint scents now. Yeah, because it gets... But, like, if you just ate mint leaves, like, your mouth wouldn't tingle. Have you ever had, like, a mojito? Oh my god, that's amazing! No, uh, every every year for the Kentucky Derby, Shelby makes virgin uh, mint juleps, mm-hmm. and, and we'll get like real mint and we'll mull it, and every now and then I'll just chew on a mint leaf, and it's it's so good. And I do not like mint generally, but Sounds like amazing. fresh mint is yeah. so good. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's get started. Okay. So we'll just go around, uh, do introductions, just say kind of what we're talking about, and then get into questions break it up um so my name is trevor uh i'm a gm uh a hopeful world builder though my disparate notes say otherwise because um, <laughs> most of my world still exists in my heads uh, my heads my head <laughs> despite uh my many attempts to put it down somewhere useful you mean you haven't separated the earths and seas and made them into your reality no. Slacker. At least not on paper. <laughs> uh, I am Mason, GM, player, aspirant, world builder, and a bunch of other aspirant stuff in the creative realms. Um, hoping also to maybe make something that's actually real for once, as opposed to, it's in my head and I think it's good. Uh, my name's David. I 
am an aspiring artist, but still working on that. And I got all kinds of stories in my head, but that's the problem. So here we are. He's taking medicine. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I mean, you're I not. Am. I that am, to be fair. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy, we got to cancel the whole thing. Drugs. <laughs> well, today our hope is to give some tips, some advice, some of our thoughts on engagement in the world of tabletop RPGs. Um, you know, what is it? Why should we do it? And, and like, what makes it useful? Um, and also, like, ways to manage it uh, as a player, as a, a GM. So I guess the first and easiest place to start is, like, what do you consider engagement uh, when you sit down to play a role-playing game? Mason, you want time to think on that? Uh, I can start if you need time. Yeah, you start. Okay, I will start. I am starting. Um, oh, I kicked over a drink. That's fine. I can cut that out and post. <laughs> Just watch. I won't. Um, <laughs> Savage. <laughs> I have that power. I control whatever you say. Um, engagement. What is it? Um, engagement for me is kind of like last week we talked about what role playing is. And when people are saying they want their players to roleplay more, usually what they really want is for them to engage more. Because we talked about, you know, roleplay is making decisions as a character, buy and as a result, buying into the fiction. And so engagement is buying into the fiction um, as a player and also as a GM. Like, sometimes that's hard. You know, there's there was, because uh, the campaign I'm running, I started, like, from a module. Towards the end of the module, there was a good three-week period where I was kind of just not feeling it because it was just going through rooms in a dungeon killing the stuff and moving on and then i found ways for me to engage that made it more interesting and so engagement is you know buying into the fiction but also sort of what enables you to get excited about the fiction in my opinion um and i'll probably leave it leave it short and we can go into more details about it etc later yeah yeah uh engagement for me Engagement for me is when <clears throat> I'm given enough uh, material from whatever medium it is that I'm, I'm, I'm currently working on <clears throat> or a part of. When I have enough material, I can I can really latch on to aspects of this material and get excited about it. Um, you know, get, get, get my imagination working. And once I have that connection, whatever that connection may be, I mean, that could be uh, part of the character you made or a unique aspect of the world the DM made, uh, strictly speaking, Dungeons and Dragons, or, I mean, this, this goes across all entertainment media, <clears throat> but, uh, once I have that latch point, I can, I, it gives my, it gives my imagination uh, a place to grow. And that's, that's when I'm engaged, is when I'm thinking about it, 
in game and out of game, uh, and just letting my imagination run wild. Uh, but you know, the, the, it's a double edged sword. If I, if I don't have any point of engagement, I'm just, you know, I'm a beached fish basically. Um, yeah, I think, I think both of those are really interesting. Uh, Mason, you said, um, something really kind of on the nose from what I was thinking is, yeah, a lot of people, uh, conflate role play and engagement as the same thing. Um, and I think they, um, have something to do with each other, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Um, just a, like a broader sense, like even wider than, than tabletop stuff, um, where David was talking about, um, any medium when people are engaged with a fantasy series, uh, game of Thrones, Harry Potter, wheel of time, what have you, they, are interested in either the characters, how the world works, where power is in the world, what mysteries there are to be uncovered. Like, those are just a few things that can create engagement. Um, so, like with a TV show or a movie, you know, you are, are engaged by that world and that story if you talk about it afterwards, like if you just go and see a movie and it was a movie and it was okay, like usually you forget about it. Um, but the ones, the, the stories that are truly engaging are ones that you bring up later to your friends or you walk out of the movie theater and you talk about it the whole night with your group that you went and saw it with and like ask like, what do you think they meant by that? Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I mean, there haven't been a lot of mediums in my life that have engaged me as much as D and D has. Um, but even like just board games in general, um, things where you, where you sit around the table, um, with a group of friends, um, just a, a goofy like a side of engagement like a like an example is uh, in college we had this really simple game it was a, a one of the newer age board games um called the sheriff of nottingham and basically the goal is every round the sheriff badge gets passed around and your job is to keep illicit goods from coming into nottingham and everybody okay. else fills their bag with certain resources and tries to convince the sheriff that they don't need to be searched. So you have a set amount of resources at the beginning of the game and everybody tries to sneak stuff past the sheriff and everybody takes a turn being the sheriff. We huh. would literally talk in like stupid ass British accents. <laughs> playing this game that is like like it needs no story behind it it could literally just be like lie to your friends and try to get the most points but the fact that they put sheriff of nottingham on it the fact that you could literally 
Uh, you got points if the sheriff searched you and you only had approved goods. So you could have like a bag full of ham and apples. Or you could have, you know, weapons and coins and armor and stuff um, that you were trying to sneak into town. Um, so we would just literally be like, Oi, what you got there in the bag? <laughs> you just say it's a couple apples, do you? And we'd just be like freaking out, like getting, drinking beer and playing this game. Um, and But because everybody agreed that that is how we were going to play the game. We all like just went full bore into it and had so much fun. Um, so like, that's something I think about with engagement is it doesn't necessarily have to be that it doesn't have to be accents. It doesn't have to be going crazy, but it could just be like taking really good notes. It could be like, diving into the world and asking questions as your character. Um, there's so many ways to engage. And I think it's to people who have played in a lot of different settings and a lot of different campaigns, it's easy to tell when a group is engaged and it's very easy to tell who isn't. The, yes. Sorry, that was kind of rambling no. and long, but that is good stuff. It brings me to one other thing and we can circle back to it later, but there's also the interesting thing about tabletop role playing in general, as opposed to like a board game or a movie or a book is there's different things to engage with. You can engage with the fiction, the story you can engage with just the characters. You don't really care about the story, but the scenes themselves are what you're engaged in. You can be engaged in the mechanics and the combat type stuff or the skill checks and everything you can be engaged in just the company as i mentioned earlier so there's different layers that you can engage with um, and i think that's something that is is worth mentioning at the end like we're the, the easiest one and the most interesting one i think to focus on is you know the story and the role play because that's what typically when people are bringing up engagement that's what they want but recognizing those different layers allows you kind of like we talked about last year la last year last week <laughs> um it's been a long week guys it's two, two weeks it's actually been a really long oh yeah two weeks just saying it's it's november y'all know what that means um, yeah tony tony <laughs> here we go but you know those those other layers can be the first step to get people to engage in the fiction more similar to mm -hmm. with role play where like you know asking those key questions at other times or doing an intrigue session as opposed to a combat session can get people engaged in the role play you know we can talk about engaging in the combat to lead to engagement elsewhere and vice versa you know say you've got somebody who just completely checks out during combat and you'd like them to get engaged there because like it's kind of rude to the people that like it then we can talk about pulling it back and forth and moving between those mm -hmm. layers yeah um... I, I i really appreciate how insightful that was just about the different layers um because especially as an as a new GM, if you're trying to lead a group oh, and, it's so hard. and it's rough. you don't recognize <clears throat> what is engagement um, and you think engagement is just one or two of those things that you mentioned, you might miss things that your players really like. Yeah. Um, no. Like, so, so how... I did, before how I do you... On, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Trevor. Before I move on, there's one big important thing here. 
I want to mention. Uh, engagement is first and foremost entirely a, a personal choice. Uh, you, as a player or the DM or whatever you're doing, need to be willing to engage. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, there's no amount of work, no amount of skill or attention that the group can can throw at you that will make you engage. It, it is entirely a personal choice. Um, <clears throat> I, I've read a lot of RPG horror stories, uh, and I guess I'll just throw this in there. Just if you don't feel safe you're never going to engage either <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. obviously if you're not in a good situation just nope out of there but um engagement is a personal choice that you yourself have to be willing to make in order to join into this collective engagement otherwise you're you're always going to be that person that doesn't engage that's that's how it goes but yeah, we can uh, we can come back to Trevor. Um, I I was just gonna ask like, how do you guys personally like engage? Like, what what material uh, in games that you've played tend to be the most engaging? Because um, for me, I like I, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I like seeing other people's enjoyment so so that's kind of why i've gravitated towards a a dungeon master role i also like to um i i can be pretty observant so i like to use that to see what is driving people and what is exciting people and building upon that um so i really like the community aspect of it i really like the fantasy um, I like creating a encounter that feels real and feels dangerous. Um, and like building on that slowly. Um, we've talked about that in, in the early days of our campaign, we fought a horde of gnolls and I made them very scary because they could summon demons and they could make, you know, they could summon demons out of like pools of blood and stuff. So anytime one of the gnolls started chanting on, ominously in the background. The whole party knew what that meant and jumped into action um, because that engagement built up over time. So so for me, those are things that drive me, like the story, um, these little widgety things of like creating monsters and creating magic weapons. I love that shit. I'll make magic weapons all day and not have a story to give to my players because <laughs> I have a bunch of stat blocks for magic weapons that I'm never going to give them because they're too fucking powerful. <laughs> Balance! Um, you can go, Mason. Okay. Um, number one engagement for me is also story. Um, like, I... Story of the world, like, I want to be in a place where things just work different. Like... Mm-hmm. That, that that's always the biggest thing that's interested me about fiction in general is is you know that kind of that what if that leads to good science fiction you know um like i love star trek the next generation because almost every episode is just like you know 
we go to a place and then this kind of what if scenario happens and we explore, you know, the ramifications of that all the way through and then it, you know, resolves the plot there, but it leaves the story and the question open, you know, where does it go from here? What does that mean? What does that tell you about the whole world? Um, you know, fantasy does it as well in, in its own spin. It's supposed to like, you know, what if the real world was like that? It's like, what if there just was a world like that? Um, and so exploring a new world that just exists purely in a shared mind space is very interesting. Um, but beyond that, I also like, I like engaging in a really well, well thought out combat, you know, where it's more than just go hit the guy and hope their hit points hit zero before yours do, you know, <laughs> like where there's kind of not necessarily like a puzzle combat, though those can also be fun, but like, you know, the priority, you know, there's, there's the null shaman back there. They're gonna summon a giant meat monster from the dead guy you killed round one but there's eight guys between you so how how do you position yourself and the party to neutralize that threat safely or do you just you know rush in and risk the opportunity attacks all that kind of stuff you know that's that's a very interesting thing you know like i, I like fire emblem games for that reason like how do i accomplish the task you know with the way i want to do it do i want to try it a different way um even just like the social aspect as well is very engaging for me interacting with the other players and with the gm is delightful it's a very fun way to just chat with people that's beyond just small talk because i hate small talk like i want to talk about a thing <laughs> like that's part of why i want to do this podcast right is i want to talk about D at a different level than we can in session that's interesting to me and it's interesting to you guys and so mm -hmm. we can take that journey as a dialogue um but also like Similar to exploring a world that doesn't exist, exploring a person that doesn't exist as my character or as someone else's character by interacting with them. Those are like my, my key engagements is, is the fiction, the different aspects of it in the characters, exploring that, exploring them and like a, a well done puzzle of any kind combat or skill wise is, is very interesting because it's trying to problem solve in a world that doesn't exist. Well, let's see. For me, I like, I love uh, moral ambiguity that makes, that, that, that make you, um, that make me really think about something. Um, because, you know, a lot of decisions are pretty cut and dry, you know, don't, don't require too much thinking, but, uh, I don't know. There's something about moral ambiguity that I, I absolutely love just munching on. Um, I another one for me is you know just just actually forming relationships with the various characters that are present in the game. Um, I find that to be, not only does it help me cement myself in this world, but I love creating stuff. Um, and, and in this particular campaign, Trevor gives us all a lot of leeway to kind of tack on little things, little details in his world, or, you know, just build a, a whole new city and throw it in there. Um, so that's been that has been a huge hook for me because I can just 
you know, unleash my imagination and go to town on something that may or may not be re even related to my character. Um, so I guess to answer the question, it's uh, situations of moral ambiguity that really make me think and just the whole, the, the, the process of fleshing out the world that I'm currently in. Uh, it's really cool as the the DM who has been like leading you guys through a campaign um, for a long time to hear the answer to this because uh, as a DM, I have my assumptions, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we obviously, we talk a lot in between sessions or even after and before sessions. And sometimes in the middle of the session, we just literally stop and go, okay, but like this mechanic was really cool here. That's how big of nerds we are. We stop in the middle <laughs> of our adult fantasy game to talk about math. Yes. Um, <laughs> and how the math made us feel good. Um, <laughs> that is a form of engagement for me as well. I have to yeah. engaging with systems. Shocker. The guy that likes systems. Uh, engages with them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, for me, when I heard you guys answer that question, what was running through my head was the ways you guys interacted with my world because of the types of engagement that you like. Because um, the main driver of moral ambiguity in my world is probably Listaria, which is David's character. <laughs> yes. um, and, and I, to be fair, uh, throw in some wrenches in there to make to, to one like fight against Lestari, who is a chaotic character, who is a very driven character, who has a different set of morals um, than, than I would. But I also have to separate myself from that. Um, so it's been interesting to like watch that and to hear that answer. My mind just went back to all these game sessions that we had where Mason was very tactical in combat and made my very difficult, or at least I thought so, fight <laughs> look like a cakewalk. Um, you know, uh, like there's situations in our campaign that I set up as like a, this is a red herring, like this is the boss fight that you guys are meant to lose type of thing. And like I fully had a story arc for what happened when you lost. And because of Mason, they won. <laughs> Wait, which boss yeah. fight was that? Freaking reason. That was the uh, the Gilgothal boss fight, was it? Um, the Gilgothal one was a possibility. Yeah, um, it was a possibility. Because that would have been like, I mean, that probably would have been the last of the the rest of the campaign. If you guys got trapped in Gilgothal, yeah. you would have been, you yeah. guys would have been fucked pretty bad. <laughs> but um, what was the red herring one though? I I am dying now. I have... uh, when you guys were fucking around in uh. Varden keep for too long and that freaking forge thing busted in oh, like yeah. you got like i was expecting you guys to get captured by automatons what did i do that time uh we had you Theo... kept everybody barely alive yeah <laughs> barely well good enough, and took all the damage i went and hid in the doorway while you took all the damage that one was pretty yeah. wild yeah but like to get back to the point uh, if you're paying attention uh, as a as a GM or even as a fellow player, um, you can see 
what everybody around you is engaged and excited by, um, by how they interact with it, um, and how much effort they put into it. Um, so what, how would you guys separate, um, like the GM's responsibility for engagement, um, versus like the player's responsibility for engagement? Uh, I'll go with if you want. So, for me, this is a potential. It's a bit of a troubling question because I, I, I just naturally take on because because I'm so attached to Trevor's world. I've I've kind of taken on this weird pseudo role of. I'm very much a player, but I spend most of my free time and admittedly most of my work time thinking about Trevor's world and just <laughs> making things. And and I'll, I'll abuse Trevor by sending him pages and pages of stuff. But um, yeah, I'm I'm still <laughs> working on answering the questions that he sent me. Um, <laughs> Granted, I set myself up for that problem, but um, I enjoy that problem as much as David likes to create it. But I, I feel, I feel like the relationship there, there's a relationship amongst tabletop gamers, um, and that relationship is a two-way street, and fundamentally. The DM is a player too. Uh, the DM's just the narrator, basically. And as a player, if I am engaged in the DM's world, and I mean, I, I honestly can't really imagine a situation where. <laughs> a player is engaged in the DM's world, and then the DM's just kind of ignoring that player's, I guess, uh, engagement in their that world. I, I think that campaign would just fall apart because you kind of, at least the way I see it, is is the players build off the DM's energy, DM's build off the player's energy. It, it's a, it's a two way street, um, so. You know, me coming in at the start of our sessions, you know, I see I see Trevor and I see uh, Mason and should I refer to him by Theo or? Yeah, for now, I think. Okay. Um, I, I, see, I see Mason and Theo and we're all, our body language says that we're all engaged. I, I mean, that's just visual psychology right there um you know if, if one of us was staring at their phones or something it would actually impact me my engagement as a player it would distract me basically and uh hinder that co-creative spirit um mm -hmm. so um so is there hmm I, I think I already know the answer to this question, uh, but I'm gonna gonna ask it anyway. 
is the onus of an who's like responsible for engagement um everyone is the real answer well, mm-hmm. the, the easy <laughs> answer breaking it down further though um everybody has a different responsibility to the engagement of the group mm-hmm. um, and that's where you're kind of hitting the social level of the game a lot more where you have the gm who you know due to the nature of their position in the game is you know even like within this podcast you've noticed like trevor typically initiates most of the conversations because we're used to that because like when we're on a call with trevor he's the gm and that's the nature of that relationship he's he's presenting the situation and we react to it mm-hmm. um yeah and, and like we didn't we have talked a lot we've talked in several different forms about like what this podcast should look like um but last time we recorded I immediately started asking questions and like driving the narrative and like at, but as I was doing that I was like god I'm an asshole like this we're just trying to we're just trying to like have a conversation record a podcast together but I kept like jumping in and asking the questions which like you know is is just funny it's funny for to hear you point it out too because i noticed that last time yeah well, just yeah. because of how we tend to mm-hmm. uh defer to each other in different ways uh because of the relationship uh that we have when we're playing D it's very funny yeah what we're so, built as well you know it's uh-huh yeah so the the gm you know they they are kind of due to that nature in the game they end up running a lot of other things like typically they end up you know, being the person sending reminder texts about scheduling. That's why as a player, personally, I try and send those as often as, not like frequently, but like I try and send that like, you know, two, three days before. Hey, that is a pro tip for any player. Because yes. seriously. I love both Mason and David because I like sometimes I just don't, like I am very excited about D&D and playing with you guys, but mm-hmm. like I am so bad at planning and organizing a group get together. <laughs> And, like, I, I just grew up at the house that everybody hung out with at, like, everybody uh-huh. hung out at my mom's house. So, like, I never had to get any social things going because everything was just always there for me, which is, you know, a very mm-hmm. entitled way to think about it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, into adulthood, that has, like, been something I've had to learn to get better at is, is setting up things. So, like, yeah, it that is another way to be engaged is to yes as a player take up some responsibility um i i was going to mention that as like you know if if anybody has a duty to do anything um i think the gm has the responsibility to make known what they can reasonably handle and what they might need help with yes um yeah. So, yeah. so for me, um, you know, I really enjoyed hosting and having you guys at my house. Not every GM can do that. No. Some other person in the group might have to host or bring snacks or do this or do X. Um, yeah. I mean, just, just to tack onto that, I feel like the, the DMs, the DMs, uh, a job isn't, isn't to be a nanny and a DM. The DM's mm-hmm. job is the game world, whereas, you know, your players, the, the, the players should do, I guess in my opinion, I was raised to be like, 
okay, if there's a gathering, bring something. Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody ask if people need rides, uh, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's very much, there's very much a group initiative to getting everybody together in one location. And that requires persistence. And yeah. I think, I think the DM just has enough responsibilities, honestly. <laughs> the biggest thing I, I, I kind of have... accidentally stumbled onto this topic, but I'm glad that yeah that it came yeah. up because enga engagement. Uh, since we're talking about what it is, it's not just the game world, but it can be your commitment to the the group playing. Yes. Mason, sorry, I interrupted. No, you. you're good. Like exactly, like especially like, if you're thinking of like I. How do I make sure, you know, we just started a campaign or we've had, had one for a while and it's kind of petering a little. How can we keep it alive? Like, for me as a GM, the biggest thing is somebody else sending the text. Like, hey, we getting together this week or how's the schedule looking? Because, you know, like GMing is kind of a fairly personal thing, especially if you're not running a module. You're like making a thing and designing crap and, you know, balancing all this stuff. Like, that's that's important and it's hard, you know, and it's puts you in a vulnerable position where you know you spend all this time creating a thing and you know it never quite in session goes the way you expected and you're doing stuff by the seat of your pants from time to time and doing the best and like it you can be very self-conscious or worried about that even after years of jamming i still have that sometimes where i'm like man i hope people had fun and just the simple act of someone reaching out and saying yo we got a session this week that tells me they have been having fun and want to continue playing Oh, let me yeah. let me jump in right there. Let me jump in right there. This is a huge stickler for me. Guys, audience listening, whatever. Your DM puts in a lot of time into the campaign, whether it's cramming the night before or the hour before the session or spending all week planning something. They they do. That's DM requires a lot of effort. And a simple text or a thank you after a DM session, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a huge, it's a huge deal for me because, you know, I always let, I let Trevor know I'm enjoying the session, you know, after the session. I know Mason does too. I know Theo does as mm -hmm. well, but I think our group takes that for granted because, again, I've read stories where it's just like the DM never gets any positive feedback or any mm -hmm. kind of feedback outside of the game. And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying bribe your GM or anything, but just thank them. Just thank yeah. them for their, I, their work. I, and, and I definitely appreciate that. And like, sometimes I feel guilty um, because I feel like sometimes I don't put in the amount of work that like you guys deserve for how engaged you are as players. Um, but uh, sometimes I need to remember and other people need to remember like just running a game takes a lot of energy. Just like the aspect of it. Um, you know, you're thinking as different characters, you're juggling combat, you're juggling what these other um, creatures in the world are doing in the background. Um so I, I think that that um, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, but basically I think that um, having a good, no, nope, I completely lost it. 
I should thank have read your, this. Just, just thank your GMs, guys. Yeah. Thank your players too. Yeah, I think I think it 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 takes time, it takes energy, it takes thought um, to to run the game. Um, as far as like GM responsibilities towards engagement, um, I I have a lot of thoughts about this because I have been GMing. Like pretty much, that's the only thing I've ever done. Um, GM. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't played in very many groups um, for any amount of time at all. And I think the reason for that is because I really enjoy um, introducing people to like this fantasy space um, and showing them like different way to play a different way to, to do a group activity. Um, and what I really think that a good dungeon master should do is take note mentally, physically in the computer, whatever of things that your players like and, and how they engage identifying what engagement they put out will inform what you can give them to keep them locked in. Um, And, and you have to gauge that. The hard part is you have to gauge it individually as well as at the, as the group as a whole. Right. Cause you're like, if you're going to do a big shopping session where, the players are individually talking to the shopkeeper and even different shopkeepers and running around town. You're going to have, you're going to have one player that is in la la land during that. Cause they don't care. They just want to run in, dump their gold on the table, get their magic shit and go. <laughs> and yep. they're not wrong. Right? Like you wouldn't watch a TV show that, had a giant shopping ed- episode unless you were really engaged. Mm-hmm. So if you notice that player super bored and and you track it as a GM and what you should try to do is then go, that person was just super bored. What do they like to do? Let's throw in a little bit of that next to pick the energy back up before we go into something more complex. Yes, like throw well, throw them a bone. Um, so so basically, I think the GM should monitor engagement to a certain level. It's not his job to provide all of it. Um, it's not his job to make the players excited to play. Mm. I don't even know if I fully agree with that. It's not his responsibility for their engagement, but it's his responsibility to manage what could engage people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a weird area. Cause like, and, and we'll, we'll probably end up doing probably, I would guess a whole episode just on managing engagement and just the types of yeah. engagement that exist. Cause you know, we're like, oh, we'll cover the types of engagement. It, it's such a deep hole, dude. Like, we talked about is. the ones that we engage with. There's <laughs> so many different ways that other people engage that we can talk about oh, yeah. at a later mm-hmm. time. But, you know, the GM, you, your job is just to be informed about it and and figure out, like, what campaign is right for these players. 
you know that it's going to be fun for you to run and fun for them to run to, to yeah. play in you're, you're not responsible for them to come show up and have fun but if you are bringing a campaign to your players that they are not interested in you don't really have a right to feel bad about the fact that they're not engaging and playing and having fun the same way that you know it's, it's like the old bad D is worse than no D and so your job <laughs> is to figure out how to turn if possible turn bad dnd into good dnd or occasionally and very infrequently i feel like there is a way for almost any group to play together at some level but you know know when to call it or even just say hey i need a break i can't quite find a good balance does somebody else want to run for a bit you know somebody else might find that balance you know and and you get the space to see as a player when you're not trying to run you know npcs and combats and all this other crap and see what people like and get an idea that's fun for everybody because you know you're stuck in this really cool island hopping swashbuckling adventure with you know uh low low magic setting and inter interfaction pirate fighting and they're just they just want to go into dungeons and that doesn't work when they're riding ships and stuff, you know? And so it gives you a fresh take on something to get you excited and get them excited, you know? And th- th- that's kind of it in a nutshell. And we can go in a lot more detail about it. Later. Uh, DM duties specifically in regards to table engagement. Uh, a big one for me, just from a, purely player perspective because I'd be a terrible GM but purely for me um, when a GM inserts plot hooks into the game that specifically target characters and it doesn't even have to be my character, although I love that. Uh, because that tells me as a player that the DM is actually paying attention to the characters and the characters' backstories. Yes. And and the world, the organic world growing around these players, which is a huge indication for me that the DM's checked into this game. And... Um, uh, another big point is, uh, I know you probably have all, most of you have probably heard of this, but the rule of cool. Um, I have not heard of this. Ever. Could you please explain what this rule of cool is? Mason, I must laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't suck him away from you. <laughs> Send COVID your way. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not cool. I don't know what this rule is. <laughs> I'm a um, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> rule of cool. We could do a whole episode on this, probably, but uh, re- restraining myself to specifically GM duties. Um, just uh, let your characters shine. Let your players have individual moments where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the player built this wonky class and hasn't been doing great in combat or doesn't do great or or they're shy and they don't do great in social uh situations but they have this one thing this one cool move that you know that they love to do or this one skill Mm -hmm. that they love love rolling just throw them a bone every once in a while 
and, and, and don't yeah don't isolate that player obviously but but do you have to do it party wide um i guess that it just it kind of sounds like we're we're all in agreement that the play the player's responsibility towards engagement is to one be open to it um you know have some sort of buy-in to the world to the campaign um and like communicate that either through action or f- through words um and the gm's responsibility is to you know kind of gauge the general table and gate uh sorry discern the general engagement at the table and make adjustments but also to provide opportunity to engage like that's when you when you boil it down you know when you're talking plot hooks when you're talking you know magic items for the power leveler for um just just loot uh this new dungeon for the person who literally just wants to walk and disable traps and try to solve mysteries you know it those are all just opportunities to engage and that's going to look different for every group um so I, i think that yeah just boiling it down players come to the table ready to engage maybe think of a few things if you want to be more engaged think about a few things that either you or your character would like to accomplish next session Mm-hmm. Um, and your GM will fucking love that because <laughs> selfishly, that is one less thing I have to prepare. That's one less thing I have to fish out. If you just tell me outright, my character Gungax wants to go in search of this rare ore so that he can build a sword later. Cool. You know what that means? I have a whole quest line ready and <laughs> I didn't even have to come up with it. Yep. Players um, are like fucking gun freaking these rocks. Sell your soul to a lich. Do it. I like, mean, do it. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, like it'll it'll tur- it'll change it'll define the entire campaign. I had a player oh, yeah. literally I was oh, yeah. like, you guys have like a bit of downtime. Just give me, you know, like three things you want to do. My guy's like, yeah, I'm going to go. We, we, we found the big, big bad evil guy. And I'm like, cool. And he's like, I'm going to go buy a flag. I'm like, this seems like at your price range. And then I'm not going to allow that. And he's like, but I'm going to give it, put my soul in it and give it to the bad guy as like collateral. I'm like, done. Y'all are going to have to do a quest to get your soul back. And that's dope. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's amazing. Like, yeah, do it. Yeah. So, so players who want to get better at engagement um think about what either you personally want or what your character wants out of the next game session or two um so that that gives you a little bit of punch that that can put it into action um for for the gm you know maybe look into some things like um different player styles uh, people have written, talked, blogged, vlogged, Ugh, yeah. all sorts of things about player archetypes ad nauseum. Um, it's almost a cliche, but it's true. There are different t- player motivations, 
and everybody's a mixture uh mixture to a certain extent the there. and yeah so okay. so even if your player is a power gamer who just wants to have the most powerful high level statted out character he can have there are still going to be other things in the game that he likes yes mm-hmm. and recognizing that and learning how to use that to get your players engaged in ways that might not have otherwise done and rewarding that engagement by like letting them do the thing they want to do and show up and just like you know i i want to just knock some skulls together i i statted up just a raw strength barbarian i want to go to towns and bully guards and having ways for them to do that that is relevant to the campaign that is the biggest level up ever in gming if you're intimidated about gming don't worry about like designing the perfect monsters and encounters and crap focus your energy on learning how to read your players and what is fun for them because then you're not spending all this time learning how to make the perfect encounter just realize my players just like to you know go and meet people and and they don't really (laughs) care about murdering goblins it's like well then why did i spend the last year throwing goblins at them if they're like happy to go yeah If your if your players don't want to fight everything and try to befriend every animal and creature and monstrosity that you throw on the, at them, okay, we're playing Pokemon in D and D right now. Okay, yeah. let's do it. Gotta catch them all. Let's go. They want to be the very best. You can run a campaign like that, and it could be super fun. Like, I, I killed the last goblin I befriended. Yeah, we. Uh, that, that whole God thing was soul. such a cluster too. Like we, our characters argued about going up a ladder for no reason, and our pet goblin died. Like that was the summary of that session in a nutshell. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was wait, pretty great. Yeah, that was so just mortifying. I ended. I like. We couldn't even keep playing because we were laughing so hard at how horrible. It was because you had hired you hired her to leave her goblin tribe <laughs> and then she died literally a day later. Oh, man.